This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. It's Tuesday, November 29th, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, drought and inflation are making it a tough year for Christmas trees. Plus, Japan has had to abandon what would have been their first ever lunar landing. But a private Japanese company launching a lander tomorrow might still fulfill that milestone for the nation. And a roundup of the weirdest movies coming out next year, including the true story of Cocaine Bear. Here's some cool stuff for your ride home. If you're looking to buy a real Christmas tree this year, you'll want to head out early if you want a shot at actually securing one, and you should expect to pay more than usual. All across the U.S., tree farms have experienced record losses due to extreme drought. Prairie Pines Christmas Tree Farm in Kansas lost about 75% of the trees that they tried to start growing this year. Katy Farm in Northeast Texas lost a thousand trees they would have been ready to sell or close to it this year. Another Texas farm made the difficult decision to not sell trees at all in an attempt to give the trees time to bounce back instead of cutting down lackluster trees that people wouldn't want to buy. And even in the Northeast, drought has affected Christmas tree supply. Citing one of the worst droughts in Massachusetts state history, NBC News Boston spoke to one farmer who said he lost 95% of the trees he planted this spring. And as for trees that were ready to sell, the farmer, Richard Lukes, says hundreds of them have ended up in the discard pile. Depending on the species of tree, it can take anywhere from 5 to 12 years to reach the size most people want to buy it at. So while drought has killed a lot of the trees that were ready this year, squeezing the supply all across the country, those huge losses in seedlings will continue to affect Christmas tree supply for years to come. Five to ten years from now, we might be looking back on 2022 as the culprit behind another paltry season for trees. Just like in 2020, we were still feeling the effects of a tree shortage sparked by the recession in 2008. I'll put a link in the show notes to the segment that I did on that at the time, but basically what happened was when people stopped buying and building homes and businesses during the recession, they also stopped buying evergreens for landscaping purposes. So all of those evergreens got repurposed into Christmas trees come December. That meant there was an absolute glut of trees being sold right when a lot of consumers had shrunk their budgets and weren't splurging on Christmas trees. The tough market caused a bunch of farms to shut down entirely, or to at least be unable to plant trees the next growing season as they tried to earn back their losses. So then, 12 years later, we had a smaller-than-usual number of trees ready to be cut down and sold. So unless farmers can revive some of their younger trees and plant a whole bunch of seeds in the spring to make up for those 75 to 95% losses this past growing season, we may see a smaller selection again 5 to 12 years from now. That's, of course, assuming that this year continues to be an anomaly with the drought and not the new normal. 
and that those farmers are able to stay afloat long enough to revive the young trees and plant new ones. Between the increased prices of everything they need to plant, grow, transport, and sell their trees, and the reduced income they will be making this year, it's going to be tight. Woody Woodruff, the owner of Katie Farms in Texas, the one that lost a thousand trees, told Good Morning America, quote, We all use diesel fuel or gasoline. That was more expensive this year. Our fertilizers, some of them more than doubled in price this year. And so that really took a toll. And that was nationwide. That took a toll on anybody that is in the farming industry trying to grow Christmas trees. End quote. Like some other farmers, Woodruff is trying to fill out his supply to sell by trucking in trees from other states that were less affected by the drought, like Michigan, the Carolinas, and the Pacific Northwest. But those trees are also more expensive, and you've got the increased price of transportation due to gas prices. Woodruff notes that even artificial trees have seen price hikes this year due to inflation and shipping. Jamie Warner, executive director of the American Christmas Tree Association, told Good Morning America, quote, Because inflation impacts absolutely everything, the industry is seeing increases in shipping costs, fertilizer, trucking, everything you can possibly think of, whether it be real or artificial trees. So I think consumers can expect to see anywhere from 5% to 20% increases across the board on artificial and live Christmas trees this year. End quote. While prices will be higher and selection more limited, farmers and experts alike remain relatively optimistic. Tim O'Connor, the executive director of the National Christmas Tree Association, told NBC News Boston, quote, Like any other business, there's an ongoing learning process. Farmers are well aware of the impact of climate change and are identifying trees that grow quicker, trees that can grow with less water, less inputs, hotter climates, end quote. Maybe Christmas trees will start being smaller or a little different looking in the future as farmers work with different species than what we're used to. And maybe this year, if you're going to buy a live tree, it'll be a little rougher around the edges than what you usually get. But as O'Connor said, quote, there's a tree for every family, end quote. And farmers are committed to helping make that sentiment true however they can. Well, some bummer news from NASA's Artemis 1 mission. In case you missed it, one of the 10 CubeSats that launched with the SLS rocket on November 16th lost communication and will no longer be making its planned lunar landing. This CubeSat, called Omotsunashi and developed by JAXA, the Japan Aerospace and Exploration Agency, was slated to become the first Japanese spacecraft to land on the moon. So the loss of that mission objective is a real gut punch for the nation and all the people who worked so hard on the lander over the years. And just to be clear, that CubeSat was a separate mission from the Orion spacecrafts, which is not planning to land on the moon for this mission. It is merely doing a flyby around the moon. Quoting Futurism, Scientists were hopeful that in successfully getting Omotenashi to the moon, they could better understand small craft landings, an important task for the future of economical space travel. Its primary objective, reads a NASA blog published in July 2021, is to test the technologies and trajectory maneuvers that allow a small lander to land on the moon while keeping its systems, including power, communication, and propulsion systems, intact. End quote. 
According to Space.com, while the lunar landing is out of the question, JAXA is hopeful they may eventually regain communication with the CubeSat and give it a new mission. Quoting Space.com, In the meantime, an investigation is ongoing to find out why the little probe couldn't be hailed in time. Initial communications from a ground station suggested that the CubeSat's solar cells were not facing the sun and it was rotating swiftly. The team tried to correct this by venting some fuel to counteract the movement, they wrote on Twitter, but insufficient voltage forced the team to turn off the transmitter. But now the CubeSat is drifting alone in deep space. And for the next few months, orbital dynamics between Earth and Omotenashi, along with sunlight conditions relative to the spacecraft's uncontrolled position, are not favorable to attempt a new mission. But those doors could open in the spring, mission officials added via Twitter. End quote. And it's worth noting, however, that Omotenashi is not the only Japanese craft currently headed to the moon. As I mentioned back in October, private Japanese company iSpace will be launching a lunar lander on board a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket tomorrow, November 30th. This is iSpace's first mission, and now that Omotenashi's landing has unfortunately been scrubbed, iSpace's Hakuto-R lander will become the very first Japanese-built craft to land on the moon, if all goes well. Though it won't happen until March of this coming year, since iSpace's Mission 1 is taking a much slower route to the moon than Artemis 1 is. Link to watch the SpaceX launch, which also includes the Rashid rover built by the United Arab Emirates, is at the link in the show notes, although heads up that the launch is expected at 3.40 a.m. Eastern Time, so you may just want to watch it back later instead of live, depending where you live. And speaking of Artemis, NASA held a mission status briefing yesterday afternoon assessing how the Orion spacecraft is doing now that it's been up in space for two weeks. Most notably, yesterday, Orion hit its big anticipated milestone. It hit the maximum point of its journey. At just under 270,000 miles, Orion journeyed the furthest from Earth of any spacecraft designed for humans ever has, beating the previous record held by Apollo 13, which went 248,000 miles from Earth. Though there are no humans currently on board Orion, just some mannequins and a Snoopy plush toy, but astronauts will be on board for the next mission currently slated for 2024. Quoting BBC News, Controllers have been delighted with the performance to date. Orion, with its shepherding ESA module, has used much less fuel than expected. It's also generated more power than anticipated, while also being very frugal with its energy consumption. There have been some small technical niggles, but none of the anomalies or funnies that are out there are of consequence, said NASA Artemis mission manager Mike Serafin, end quote. Artemis has also been beaming back some pretty spectacular photos and videos of the Earth, Moon, and the spacecraft itself, which you can check out on NASA's official Flickr account, link in the show notes. There are some truly wild movies coming out soon. Violent Night, the action comedy starring David Harbour as a gritty action hero kind of take on Santa Claus, will be released exclusively in theaters this weekend in the U.S., Megan, the murderous AI doll movie from Blumhouse, comes out the first week of the new year. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, the slasher take on what happens when Christopher Robin abandons Pooh and Piglet, will be released in limited theaters shortly after that. 
And from the deranged mind of that director, Reese Waterfield, comes another upcoming movie, Bambi the Reckoning. Produced by Waterfield and directed by Scott Jeffrey, the film is a reimagining of the 1923 Felix Salton novel, Bambi, A Life in the Woods, which entered the public domain this year. Not a reimagining of the Disney cartoon adaptation from the 1940s, which is not in the public domain. And whatever plot details or characters were invented by Disney are unlikely to enter the public domain anytime soon. Not just because of Disney's tight purse strings, but because they too are working on a Bambi remake, a live-action one similar to the 2019 Lion King. In any case, Bambi the Reckoning was described by director Jeffrey to Dread Central as, quote, The film will be an incredibly dark retelling of the story we all know and love. Finding inspiration from the design used in Netflix's The Ritual, Bambi will be a vicious killing machine that lurks in the wilderness. Prepare for Bambi on rabies. End quote. Great. As if Bambi wasn't traumatizing enough on its own. And The Ritual, if you're not familiar, is a 2017 horror film featuring a group of college friends hiking through the Scandinavian wilderness where they're haunted by a spindly-legged creature from a Norse legend. Bambi The Reckoning is entering production soon, but no other release or plot details have been announced just yet. And in other totally weird movie news, Elizabeth Banks is directing a movie called Cocaine Bear, which is basically exactly what it sounds like. The first poster for the film dropped yesterday, featuring an angry-looking bear in black and white and the tagline, Get in Line. Clever. The poster also includes the heading, Inspired by True Events. And while Banks is known for comedic acting and directing roles, like Pitch Perfect 2 and Charlie's Angels, and we can probably expect this film to at least have some funny moments, if not be an outright comedy, that heading is no joke. From Wikipedia, quote, The film is inspired by the real story of a 175-pound American black bear that died after ingesting a duffel bag full of cocaine in December 1985. The cocaine was dropped out of an airplane piloted by Andrew C. Thornton II, a former narcotics officer and convicted drug smuggler, because his plane was carrying too heavy a load. Thornton then jumped off the plane with a faulty parachute and died. The bear was found three months later in northern Georgia alongside 40 opened plastic canisters of cocaine. The bear is currently on display at the Kentucky Fun Mall in Lexington, Kentucky. Cocaine Bear was coined by Cole Larkin in 2015, end quote. And as Collider describes the film's take on the true story, quote, The new thriller will follow an oddball group of cops, criminals, tourists, and teens as they converge on the location of the cocaine-fueled black bear. The film will follow one bear's thirst for blood and appetite for illicit substances, end quote. In addition to this absolutely bizarre plot, the movie is making headlines for its impressive cast, including Ray Liotta in one of his last acting roles before passing away in May of this year. Cocaine Bear will hit theaters this February. All right, that's going to be it from me for today. This show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow.
Life's better with an auto policy from American Family Insurance. No matter what dreams you're driving towards. That's because our expert agents will make you feel totally protected with the right auto coverage at the right price. You'll also save up to 23% when you bundle auto with home. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.